Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. Thank you. You may be seated. I wanted to use that song to lead into the sermon because I want to talk about walking with the Lord. Did a great deal of walking while I was on vacation, especially Tuesday. Tuesday, we decided to visit a very unique zoo. High up in the Andes Mountains, this zoo was 8,500 feet above sea level. And it was not anything like any zoos we have in America, because in America, you got all of these nice, big, concrete paved paths, and you can walk around to all of these uh, exhibits and enclosures, and you can say, hey, what do we want to see today? You want, you want to see the pandas? Yeah, we'll go see the pandas, and then we'll go over here to the elephants, and we'll look at our little map, and we'll decide what we want to go and walk around and see, and then maybe partway through, you get kind of hungry, the kids get, get kind of hungry. Oh, look, well, here's the food over in this section. We'll go over here, and we'll get a hot dog, and then you travel around, and you go, okay, well, the kids are getting kind of tired now. You know, what's left? Oh, this looks like we got the birds and... Uh, small mammals house. You know, you want to you want to skip those and call it a day. Yeah, because you know I know what ducks and bunnies look like. So yeah, let's just uh, go. Uh, we couldn't do that in. Uh, you could do that in America. You couldn't do that in Ecuador because this zoo uh, is uh, a hike and um, and a zoo all rolled up in one. It's all designed along this mountain trail. So you paid your admission and you start hiking up the hill on this mountain trail. And the entire trail is 2.5 miles long. And once you start, there's no exiting. There's no shortcuts to exhibits that you want to see. You just start hiking and whatever you come across, that's what you saw. So a large section for the animals fenced in or enclosed behind. The tigers and bears were enclosed in a section they couldn't get out. The llamas and the deers and the wild pigs, they were more like a petting zoo behind fences and they would come right up and grub on you for food and you could pet them. And sometimes the trail took you through a series of doors that led you directly into the exhibit yourself. And now you are part of the exhibits. You are now in the peacock cage. You are now in the monkey cage. And uh, they could come right up to you. And I wasn't trying to get close to any monkeys. Oh, look, they're the monkeys. They're coming for eight bars. Let's get out of here. I don't want no monkeys climbing on me. And so that was very cool. But the hiking uphill in the high altitude of the Andes, well over 8,500 feet above sea level, was making this a bit challenging. Not to mention, I was attempting this while in the midst of day three of a five-day bout of diarrhea. <laughs> so I was kind of depleted, lacking of strength. Nevertheless, I did the entire trail, and I'm glad I did. Being that close to nature is beautiful. Seeing God's creation and his creatures and being 8,500 feet up, was, I was literally very close to God. And as we looked down at the city and the valley, it was truly a wonderful experience walking that close to God and all of his creation. And that evening after doing it all, I thought I was going to actually be taking home to be with God. <laughs> we got back to the house. I was exhausted. And uh, we were supposed to go out again that evening and meet some family. But I said, I'm not feeling that good. I think I overdid it. I'm staying in. I'm thinking, I'm just tired. 
So we took a shower, had a nice supper, and the family came over and we visited. And about 10 o'clock, I said, I'm done. I said good night to everybody, kissed all the, all the ants and went to bed. And I go upstairs to crash and, and, and I'm thinking, I'll feel better in the morning. But you know, oh, my face is so hot. Oof. Well, I did get a sunburn, but, but I got a headache. And I, I, I drank lots of water, but you know, you can get dehydrated when you're up in those high altitudes, you can get dehydrated and not even know it. And you know, diarrhea will do that to you, eh? You know, you get to that. And, uh, but my, my, I got this tightness in my chest and, and it won't go away. And, and now it's starting to concern me because you know, I'm old. <laughs> and ever since Greg had that heart attack, I, I've been very leery of the possibility that, you know, that could have been me. And I do have high cholesterol, and my boys are in their 20s, and, and I'm going to act like everything they can do, I can do. And I'm never going to let on that they're in better shape than me. But this tightness isn't going away. So I start thinking, what if this is it? Well, what if I have a heart attack and I die while I'm on vacation in Ecuador? Well, that, that would be very inconvenient for Eliana. <laughs> it's definitely going to ruin vacation for everyone. So I started talking to the Lord about it. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm ready spiritually to meet the Lord. And there's a part of me that wants to be in heaven because I know that that will be the most amazing place of all. Anything awesome that I can think of doing here on earth, anywhere as I think I'd like to go or anything I think I'd like to do. I know what God has prepared is greater, is better. But there's also a part of me that still wants to live. And I really don't want to ruin everybody's vacation by dying. That would be kind of unthoughtful. I don't want to overreact, but it's not a sharp pain. It's not a stabbing pain. I don't think I got any numbness in my arm, but I'm hyper-focusing on this pain. And I don't think I've ever had anything like this before. So, you know, this is like two hours of me just laying in bed, thinking and thinking and thinking about this. And finally, Eliana finally gets over her visit and comes up to check on her dying husband. And, <laughs> and, and I share my, my thoughts and concerns. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm dying. And she's like, you're not dying. <laughs> Here, take this pill, drink some water, you're fine. And sure enough, she was right. I, an hour later, I felt fine. <laughs> She's a great nurse. You know? Yeah, she saved my life. Eh? I was walking close to God that day, but God decided not to take me home just yet. But there was a guy who walked with God so closely, one day God just took him. God just raptured him right up to heaven, and that was... Enoch, our example of how to walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, turn into your copy of Hebrews. We continue our study. Just to get the context, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it men of old gained approval. And then last time we looked at the example of Abel, who gave a better sacrifice than Cain. Abel worshiped God in a way that illustrated he knew he needed to come to God humbly, offering the sacrificial lamb. This showed Abel was repenting of sin and trusting in the promises of God that atonement was available through the shedding of blood. Abel shows us he understood the reoccurring theme of Scripture. The lamb is to be slain to pay the price of sin. And of course, we recognize that this symbolic sacrifice of Abel's lamb and all the lambs of the Old Testament was all foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, 
that he was going to make on the cross for all of us. Able with his belief, his life showed us how to worship by faith. Enoch, who likewise did not have a great deal said about him in Scripture, shows us how to walk by faith. Abel was worshipped by faith, and Enoch is walked by faith. Verse number five. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. There are at least four different men in Scripture who are named Enoch. Uh, it is only the Enoch mentioned in Genesis chapter 5 that the Bible gives any significant information about. This Enoch is the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. Now, there are these ancient historical books called the books of Enoch, and supposedly they tell the story of the life and times of Enoch, but they weren't written by Enoch, nor they were written thousands of years after Enoch lived. But supposedly they are the oral traditions that were passed down telling the story of the life and times of Enoch. They are called pseudopigraphical books. The writer is using Enoch's name. These writings are relevant because they help us understand the, the life settings and the history and the life and times of the people when they were written and what they believed. But they are not the same as Holy Scripture because the Jews never included them in the original Old Testament canon and Jesus himself never quoted them. And those are two of the things we look for to decide what is a scripture, a, a book that should be in the Bible. However, I do mention them because the book of Jude quotes from First Enoch and attributes the quotation to Genesis biblical Enoch in Jude chapter 1. It can only be one because there's only one chapter in Jude. Verse 14, it was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied. Here's what Enoch says. Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all of ungodliness of all their ungodly deeds and all that they've done in their ungodly ways and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. At least that one small prophecy must be attributed to the biblical Enoch. So there is more to the story of Enoch than we have recorded in our Bibles. But all that we can focus on, since we're a Bible church, is what our Holy Bibles record for us. So that is found in Genesis chapter 5. This is what we know about Enoch, okay? Enoch, here's the word, walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, two times it says here that Enoch walked with God. So what does that look like to walk with God? The Hebrew word here is halach. It is a word that is used well over 500 times in the Bible in many different contexts, translated to go, come, proceed, walk, but also to live, or more specifically, it refers to the manner of life one is leaving, living. It's first mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. This is the first time we have the word walk, and it is about God. Remember Genesis 3, what's going on here? This is the story of Adam and Eve, and they took the fruit and ate that they weren't supposed to, and they saw, ah, we're naked, and they're hiding. And we hear in the narrative, 
as they're hiding, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees. And the Lord called out to the man. He said, where are you? From this passage, we conclude that this was a regular occurrence. Adam knew the sound of God walking in the garden because he had heard it before. And the fact that God called out to Adam because Adam was hiding seems to imply that normally Adam did not hide himself from God when he walked in the garden. So, you know, we are taught in Sunday school that God visited the garden and Adam and Eve joined him on these walks and they walked together. But once Adam sinned, the walk stops. And then we see in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch walked with God. And then we learn in Genesis chapter 6, Noah walked with God. So does this mean like, you know, in the garden, it's a, it's a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearing of the second person of the Trinity was transpiring. God was literally coming down and hanging out with these guys and going for a stroll. No. Eliana and I like to walk to the lighthouse in Piney Point, you know, let's get some exercise. You know, man, why don't we should... Invite God to join us someday, you know, like maybe he could stretch his legs a little bit. And he could, what, what does it mean to walk with God? It says in Genesis chapter 6 about Noah, that uh, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. And so some details there. So it seems like in Genesis, Enoch and Noah are the exceptions compared to everybody else in their time. Notably, they walk with God, and nobody else is ever described as doing so. So this must be a, a very rare, only spiritually elite people can do this. Well, wait a sec now. It also tells us in Genesis 48 that uh, as Israel is blessing his sons, he says to Joseph, the Lord whom before your fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. Oh, they walked with him too. And uh, then Moses tells the entire nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself as he swore to you if you keep my commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So it, it's not all that elite. Ma matter of fact, it seems like from Deuteronomy 28, it's expected and required of Israel, God's chosen people, all of them, to walk in his ways. And then once again, the psalmist says, how blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with their heart, that they do not unrighteousness. And in contrast, they walk in his ways. So this is something we're all supposed to be doing. Enoch apparently was the first guy to do it in a manner that was noteworthy. The word walk is the biblical expression for fellowship and obedience with God that results in divine favor. It refers to a manner of life a person is living in nearness to God. And Paul tells the church, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you, here it is, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. This means let our life match what we claim to be, that our behavior witnesses our profession. Walking with God is not just something a few spiritually elite biblical characters did at one time. It is instructed of each and every one of us that we walk with God. So now we understand this is something that relates to all of us. We know we are walking with God when we are acting and reacting in a way that aligns with what God describes as righteousness. And we know that when we sin, like in Adam's case, 
that's when the walk stops. And now we are going on in life in our own direction. Have you ever gotten yourself into a situation where you realize, I shouldn't be here? This, this is bad? It's been a few occasions that I followed people in the situations that were very, very bad, and I knew God was not going with me into this place. We stayed in four different cities while we were on vacation. The first two, we did a lot of walking. I, my white self, in neighborhoods that I'd never been in before. And the first day, uh, we had to uh, check into our place until later, and so we had our luggage. So we were walking around the city, dragging our luggage. Five of us and me looking very conspicuously, not like I belong there, all walking around in these communities. But it's okay. It was all very safe, and we had no problems. Uh, the third city we visited, uh, where we had family, on one of our walks, we took the Aerovia across the river, and that was a lot of fun. And when we got to the other side of the river, we got off the Aerovia, and there was a little park, and there was all this action going on there. And the family said to us, you can walk around this park, but do not leave this park. And they knew, because they lived there, that it's not safe. Matter of fact, just the night before, one of the cousins, uh, he got mugged. And he was out late, and he had his smartphone out, expensive phone out, and his dad had said, it's too late, don't go out, you shouldn't go out now. He's ah, dad, I'll be all right. And he got mugged, and he lost his phone. And that is exactly what walking with a God is like. God says, don't walk over there. Don't get involved in those things. That's dangerous. Stay here by me. Follow me. I'm not going that direction. Ah, God, I'll be all right. God, you're just overreacting. God, you're always trying to control me. Okay, all you teens of really lame parents. <laughs> Nico, maybe? Right. Not your mom, your dad, right? <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you for a minute. All of us lame parents, we know we are not cool. We know that there's all these really cool people who are doing all that really wild and exciting stuff out there. And many of those people are nice and they just want to have fun. But we also know that mixed in and around all these cool people are a few very dangerous people who are always looking for someone to prey upon. And they're not going to tell you who they are. They're not wearing a sign that says bad dude. But we parents in our age have learned to pick up on their vibe. We've learned to spot the red flags. We've learned to listen for the warning bells. We've learned to smell the BS. And we've learned that when someone or something sounds too good to be true, chances are it is. And we know that the rest of the cool crowd who are nice people, who just want to have fun, if things go bad, they're not going to help you. They're not going to want to stop their fun to save your butt. If you get preyed upon, if you get hurt, the fun crowd will say, sucks to be you, and they'll just take their party somewhere else. And the people who really care are the ones who are going to come and get you out of trouble, the ones who will spend their limited time and their hard-earned money to get you out of that mess. And probably 99% of the time, it's going to be your uncool, lame parents who will do that for you not your social media friends. It's going to be the real flesh and blood friends 
who've got gas money, who are going to come get you. <laughs> who do you have in your life that will serve you like that and who you will serve like that? You know who they are based on the truth that they speak and the way that they act and the love that they show. The psalmist warns us how blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. All these people who scorn God's word and reject wisdom and deny knowledge and truth, they scorn, they mock the things of God. They are in the dark and they will lead you into the dark. They are the blind leading the blind. And if you walk in their way, you walk away from God and you walk towards destruction. The other option is, of course, to walk with God. Well, what does that look like? Well, pertaining to children, let's quote, quote, let's quote uh, Paul, right? For kiddos, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Note the, the phrase, in the Lord, right? That's a good one. Why do we need that clause? Because obeying parents in sin, in darkness, in wickedness is not the command. Obey your parents as their commands align with in the Lord. Walking with God, teens, is honoring your father and your mother. Walking with God, moms and dads, is, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Provoke not your children to wrath. Why don't these kids respect me? Why are they always fighting with me so much? Um, maybe because you're provoking them to wrath? When you're treating them like you own them, that they work for you, that you can order them and demand them and manipulate them and control them. You say you love them, but love is patient and kind and not easily provoked and it keeps no record of wrong. But then you come home and you start in with complaining about, oh, I'm messing the places and how lazy and how disrespectful and how disobedient, blah, blah, blah. I wonder why they disrespect you. I wonder. I'm Pastor Rob. And I can read you verses that say that you are to obey me and respect me. And I can tell you all these things that you're supposed to do. And I'm going to come over to your house. Daniel, always in the front row, always right in front center, aren't you? I'm coming over to your house and I'm going to, hey, let's, let's get out the bank accounts and let's see how you're spending the money. Oh, look at all this wasteful you're being. And, and let's go through your search history and we'll see what kind of ungodly series you're watching on Netflix. And why aren't you signing up for this ministry? And why aren't you going to that small group? And I don't remember giving you the permission to get those tattoos. I'll go ahead and try that, Pastor Rob. We'll see how long I'll stick around in Faith Bible Church. I won't let anybody treat me like that. Exactly, because that kind of leadership would provoke you to wrath. I don't do that. How do I talk to people? How do I, how do I talk? Rick, what's up, bro? Good to see you, man. How we doing, bro? Hey, good to see you. How are things? Good, good? Yeah. Hey, man, I got, got something I want to throw at you. You know, like you just throw it right on back. You know, got this project here. got these people. They need a little help. I was wondering if you could give me a hand with that. I know you're really good with that type of stuff. Would you be able to help me with that? Sure. Sure, Pastor Rob. I get that. I can get that. I can get that answer out of most of the guys here. Most of, I, I, can't, I can't qualify. Most of the people here, I go up and I talk to you like that with some respect and appreciation. I always get, sure, Pastor Rob. I love to do that. We had one gal completely out of wood. No wood. 
And I had, I had one of my brothers, I had just been talking to him, and he said, I got all this wood. And I said, brother, would you be able to take some wood over to this guy? Sure, Pastor Ralph. I said, do you need a truck? No, I'll load it in my car. I'll do it myself. Oh, wow, that's a lot of work. Nah, nah, I got it. Right? Just like all these people that will do that for us. I got these, I got these three sons, right? Just got on vacation. They spent 10 days with their mom and dad. One, they wanted to spend time with mom and dad. It was, it was a wonderful time. You know, listen to me, dads. If you want to have people in your life, if you want your children to want to be around you, you have to be willing to help them and bless them and be intentional about these relationships. So they will want to be with you when they're in their 20s. Right? This is one time Ricky moved down to Lynchburg. He's living in Lynchburg. And uh, this is when we were moving to Piney Point. And uh, uh, I've moved a lot, pretty good at it. But you know, when you're moving, you always got a bunch of junk. You need somebody on the other side, right? And I had rented this truck for one day and I wanted to slam it all out in one day. Tony was down in Nashville. Robbie was planning a wedding. I needed someone that could give me 12 hours of hard labor at my pace. I needed Ricky. So I calls him up down in Lynchburg. I said, Ricky, I'm so sorry, but you know, I, I just, I really need your help with this move. You know, James and Andrew are useless. You know, they can't lift anything. Could you come home and give me a whole day of, and he said, yeah, dad, 100%. Dads, if you want that, you got to learn to walk with God and parent your children the way God says. Serve them, love them, respect them, sacrifice your opinions and preferences, put aside your views, listen to theirs. Never put aside biblical values. Sometimes we confuse our views. We think they're biblical values. Keep the biblical values. Speak the truth in love. But show them how to follow the Lord, how to walk with Him. And you will be someone who warrants respecting. And likewise, you do the same with your wife. You serve, you love, you humble, you listen, provide, protect. Be principled and unflappable when they are overwhelmed and distressed and in pain and fussing and complaining at you. You do the right thing. You be the first to admit you're wrong, that you hurt their feelings. You be the first to apologize. You be the one to say what you're doing wrong, not what everyone else is doing wrong. Why would I do that? Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And your wife should never, ever, ever have to wake you up to get you ready for church. Wake you up to get you out the door for work. My mommy used to wake me up so I could get to the bus on time so I wouldn't miss school. When I was a child, she had to do that. And nobody has to wake me up to do the things that I know are important for me. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. What does walking with God look like? Looks like all kinds of things. What I say, think, and don't think. What I say and don't say. What I watch and not watch. What I wear and I don't wear. How much work I do, how much rest I get. What I eat and what I don't eat. I got a verse for that one. Whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, all for the glory of God. There are biblical principles and wisdom that govern it all. And apparently Enoch had it all down. Doesn't say Enoch died, like all the others listed in the chapter, 
everyone. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. It doesn't say that about Enoch. It says, God, halach. He took him. He was seized. He was fetched up. The author of Hebrews affirms that Enoch did what? Verse 10, 5. Didn't die. He didn't die. He pleased God so much as they were walking along, God just said, hey, Enoch, buddy, you know what? Having a good time. Let's just keep going. Let's go right up to heaven. Just come right up here now with me. And he skipped death altogether. Wow. Oh, that's probably just a one-time thing, eh? No, actually, the prophet, which one? Elijah. Elijah. He did not taste death. God took him up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Hebrews says what happened to Enoch was because of Enoch's faith. And I see that Enoch was someone from the pre-flood dispensation to be raptured. And then I see Elijah as someone from the law dispensation to be raptured. And then we see Jesus ascends after he rose from the dead. And then we are told that one day the believer could be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Just like Enoch and Elijah, we too, if we walk by faith, we too could be part of a group who does not experience death, but rather we are raptured, we are caught up, taken away. This amazing doctrine, the prophecies of the rapture. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the disciples believed that Jesus was coming at any time. He could be returning. And Paul specifically states in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have died in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede them who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. The point is, Enoch's walk resulted in him being taken up to heaven, and the same thing is a very real possibility for you and me. Which is why Jesus instructed his followers, be alert. You don't know when your Lord is coming. So we are to follow the example of Enoch and walk with God so that if and when Jesus returns, we are ready. And we could likewise meet the Lord in the air. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. The song basically summarized the message this morning. Maybe we should have just sung the song and skipped the sermon. I hope it has been inspirational to help you walk with the Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would just help us, guide us in our walks, that we would trust you, we would obey you, that we would learn these principles, your laws, your precepts, and they would guide us in all that we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.